Hi, listeners. Rachel here with an exciting announcement. We are holding a summer book club bingo game, and there is a card that you can download, a bunch of prompts for different types of books that you can choose to read to play the game along with us. All the instructions and information on how to sign up are at rachelthompson.co slash book club, where you can get your card. And you'll also be able to enter your card to win prizes throughout the summer months. So that's from May to September. We'll be running this book club bingo. I hope you will sign up and uh, read some cool books and be inspired to do some more writerly reading this summer. So all the information is at rachelthompson.co slash book club. Welcome, Luminous Writers, to the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast. I am your host, author and literary magazine editor, Rachel Thompson. This podcast explores how to write and share your brilliant writing with the world. In each episode, we delve into specifics on how to polish and prepare your writing for publication and the journey from emerging writer to published author. Hello, Luminous Writers, and welcome back to a new year of the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast. This episode is the first genre episode this year as part of my plan to sprinkle these deep dives into specific creative writing forms throughout the podcast all year. And many of us set a goal to write more at the turn of each calendar year in the Gregorian calendar. I'm raising my hand along with the rest of you who are. And one form that can be rather accessible to those getting back into writing And especially those who have trouble finding the time to write, as you'll hear in our conversation, is flash memoir. So that means personal stories that are fewer than a thousand words. Often they're a lot shorter, as short as just a few words, or some are written in 300 word length or 100 word length, as we'll talk specifically about in this conversation. This conversation is with Lena Lau, who describes herself as a writer, mother, and owner of Too Many Notebooks, and has published short memoir in X-Ray, Prairie Fire, Hippocampus, where she is now a reader as well, Carte Blanche, and Little Fiction, Big Truths. Lena and I talk about how flash memoir writing captures a moment, and Lena reads a 100-word story and brings us into the experience of writing it. And also, we chat about the characteristics required of memoirists. All is done in an authentic and open way as Lena is one of those gifted writers who is very frank and unpretentious about her writing and experiences in creative nonfiction flash and creating that genre. And I'm releasing this interview with Lena right as I release a new mini course on flash writing as well. See what I did there? And this is offered entirely for free when you register this month. You can do so up at rachelthompson.co slash flash. Now for my conversation with Lena Lau. I want to welcome you to the podcast, Lena Lau, and thank you so much for being here to talk about flash memoir today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. I'm very excited to be here. So I wanted to start by definitions because there are a few different definitions of flash writing, or it feels like it's kind of changed to be less rigid, I guess, since its inception, which started really in fiction. So it was flash, flash fiction. And now more recently, there's something called flash memoir or micro memoir. What would you say is flash memoir by your own definition? Yeah, it's a good question because I don't even know if there's a standard definition to go by. I struggle with that sometimes. I think, you know, at a basic level, 
length is one of the defining characteristics, flash being a thousand words or less, and there's cutoffs for different publications. And then memoir just being, you know, based on nonfiction, based on details of your own life. In my experience, writing and reading it, it's flash for being short, but also like a flash in terms of a moment in time. Like it's a short amount of space that you have. So you're not writing somebody's life story in such a small space. You're writing maybe a meaningful moment. And I think maybe if you're trying to define it, that could be one of the characteristics of it. When you said that about the focus on flash, I was thinking it's like, there's also this flash of insight somehow in it too. There's something, there's something poignant about that moment. Exactly. And I think that that's just in my brief experience with it. I think it tends to come sort of in the last line, you know, maybe there's a quick turn or a deeper insight into the moment from the narrator. You write that flash of insight, that that's what makes it a story in such a short amount of space. I think it's exciting to define things and work within limits, but also to be like, make your own definitions of things too. Yeah, whatever works. I think also there's more leeway for, like there's more flexibility with it. Some of the pieces that I've written for flash, longer flash, I guess, closer to a thousand words, I find you can have less, I don't know how to say it, less cohesiveness to the story. You can use just more scenes, more fragments, and it still pulls together as a story. I think maybe more easily than when you have more space if you're writing a longer piece. Even sentence fragments. I think there sometimes can be an overlap with poetry too, with Flash. Although I'm not a poet at all, so I, I haven't delved into that part of things yet. But I have read pieces that read very poetically, but are more considered like micro-memoir or Flash versus poetry. Yeah, like there's a lyricism to the writing. Every word counts in the same way that it does in poetry. Yeah. It's funny, I went to a local writing group here in Toronto a couple months ago and was the only one there that wrote flash. And I made that comment and I think I insulted someone because I said in flash and I said the comment about how every word counts. And he's like, what in my longer work, the words don't count. And I was like, Oh no. Okay. That's not what I meant, but it counts in a different way. Maybe it's like the words have to do more. They have to have such precision and do more to bring the story. Exactly. I think so. Although that is really funny that you put someone out. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I just, he, he took it as an insult to his work and I didn't intend it as such. Anyways. Do you remember first coming across the genre? Cause it does feel like you took to it like a duck to water. And what did that happen like right away? Or was that a gradual thing? I was thinking about that and I think I just emerged into it. I don't think I meant to when I think back to a few years ago, when I started to write more seriously and start to try to get my work published, I don't think I knew what Flash was. I think my first couple of pieces just happened to be Flash. Like they just happened to be shorter and fit some of those criteria that we talked about at the beginning. So that's what I mean by I think I emerged into it. I think after I had some pieces published, then I, I don't remember where I first heard the term, but then I became more intentional about it, about trying to create pieces that were shorter more meaningful moments, that kind of thing. I love hearing that, that you kind of fell into the genre because I was going to ask about your choice, your decision to write your first flash piece. But I guess once you had more familiarity with the genre, you know, what did that do for your writing when you kind of focused in on this as a specific genre? It made writing easier for me. So I think for me personally, and I think that maybe your comment about a duck being drawn to water was is, is accurate. I think it's just the way that I think. I think it just taps into a deeper focus that I can sometimes have. I don't want to say I don't find it hard, but I think I do find it easier. I think for me, thinking about writing longer works at this point feels hard. <laughs> I 
I think I've evolved into more thinking about writing or my pieces in these shorter moments. And so that has helped, I think, and I hope to become better at it, but I guess it limits me in other ways because I'm limiting myself to these shorter forms and I'm, you know, developing that skill set, but not so much developing other writing skill sets at this point, but that could be for later, Lino, in my writing journey. Yeah. We both have younger kids too. And it strikes me that that's one of the reasons why writing shorter pieces works for those of us in this stage of life, maybe too. It's like, because attention is so rare and the ability to just sort of hyper-focus in on a moment, write that moment and then move on is really important. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. I've written so many things just in piecemeal scraps of paper here and there, and then I cobble them together into something. Yeah. So I guess I'm saying that because I'm thinking, well, you know, yeah, later Lena will have older kids and maybe a little bit more attention. <laughs> maybe it's time, maybe time to spend on it all. Yeah. But not to undermine the success you've had now too, because I think you've done really well in this genre and that's really laudable. You've published many, a micro memoir in many journals. And I know in our writerly love community, when I think of flash writers among our members, you're one of the first that comes to mind. That's why I invited you to talk to me about this. And you've talked a bit about what keeps you writing in this genre and that you do think of yourself primarily as a flash memoirist. I'm wondering what has the publishing experience been like in regards to edits and suggestions for micro memoir and just any notable experiences where you worked with an editor? I still feel like I'm new to the whole writing slash publishing world. So, you know, I have a handful of publications. Thank you for the compliments earlier. So some of my experience have been pretty clinical. We've received your piece. We've accepted it. This is when it'll be published. Thank you very much. And that's, that's the end of it. I don't know if my experience has been any different just because it's been flash. My most recent publication in December was with Wreck and Review. And it was about a piece that I'd written about my mom, like losing her slowly over her long illness. And that was a very warm experience, I think in part because of the subject matter, but I received the acceptance on the day of my mom's funeral. And when I wrote back to the editor, I shared that with them. It was just an emotional sort of moment for me. The correspondence and the care and the tenderness with the edits. There was a bit of more back and forth with that piece for edits, suggestions than I'd had with any other piece. And in part, it was because I, now that there was a reality of the piece being published, there was a a part in the piece that I wanted to omit, (laughs) take back because I didn't think it did service to my mom's memory and to honor her. And so I put that forward and they worked really kindly with me to happily take that part out and, and reword that section to flow better. So that was a really um, like lovely experience working with the editors there. And that one stands out just for like it just being more meaningful. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the thing about this being memoir is this is real life and it's happening now as you're writing it as well too. Like, And so to have an editor be able to meet that is just really beautiful to meet that moment with you. The whole experience was really, um, it was special. And she worked with me also. It was uh, a piece called Last Christmas. And it sort of highlighted some of the different Christmases I'd had with my mom over the years. And the editor also worked with me to get the piece published right before Christmas, the most recent Christmas that we just had, the timing of it and advocating for the piece to be published at a certain time was, again, just like really very meaningful. Above and beyond just like the regular editing process, I think, but it was really nice. I've asked if you would bring a piece to share with us to read. Would you like to read it now? I 
wrote a piece for a publication called Five Minute Lit. They take pieces of 100 words, exactly 100 words, <laughs> with a character count for the title as well. So it's pretty constrained. So I'm going to read that piece. It's called Watering Plants. Every morning, my daughter spritzes them with her purple spray bottle decorated with mermaid stickers. She chose green beans, strawberries, pink morning glories. My husband helped her pour the seeds, push the soil. Good morning, friends, she whispers, and I pretend not to hear as I tickle her younger sister to keep her occupied and out of the way. Mom, she exclaims, look. Her eyes widen. If two ants got married, there's a green arch poking out of the dirt just for them. A perfect description of the bean sprout. We both look in awe at this new life emerging. It does everything that we talked about Flash Memoir doing. It's like this beautiful crystallized moment. I feel the lyricism there in the imagery of the bean sprout too, becoming something else, something much bigger. It highlights something for me about Flash that I was speaking about with a friend of mine recently that the container matters. First, for Flash and for Micro Memoir, there's these different, you know, a thousand words sometimes. Sometimes it's 750 words, sometimes it's 500 words, 400 words I've seen. It was 100 words, I've seen 50 words. And I think that the size of the container also matters in the way that, for me, this piece, as an example, I couldn't have written that in 500 words. It was a small enough moment that fits the 100 words. And all of those word counts, I guess, still count as flashers, micro-memoir. But I think the type of story that you're going to tell sometimes shifts based on that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. It's like they're distillations of moments, but the moment even has to fit the limitation. I think so. That's something like a newer thought that I've had about Flash recently. But because as I've been experimenting, not experimenting, but just writing pieces of different lengths, it struck me that some pieces warrant the shorter amount of space and others, <laughs> even if it's considered Flash, might need to be opened up enough to be a thousand words and be a little bit longer. Can you talk a bit about how you drafted this piece too? Did you write 100 words or did you write more than 100 words and then pare it down or what happened? For this particular one, it was a pretty fair match in the way that I wrote 100 words. And then this was a publication that accepted 100 words. I have written other pieces though. I know one of my first earlier published pieces, I had written, it was a piece I was working on, it was a longer piece. And then for a course that I was taking, I had to hand something in that was a thousand words. So this maybe links into when I was talking about falling into it. <laughs> um, I think this was part of the process of falling into it. The piece was maybe 2000 words or 2500 words. And so I just cut it, I slashed it, like I had to I just chopped whole sections out and condensed it into something that was a 1000 words. And so that was a different experience of intentionally choosing the details to try and craft the story. So I had this like larger, many words on paper, but then having that was an experience of picking and choosing what to put in to craft something that was condensed and shorter. I'm picturing like a marble whittling or like carving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's, what, off, that's exactly what that, that experience off. was. Yeah. What do I want to highlight here? How do I piece this together in, in different ways? And then it made it a better story. It made it a way better story. It was long listed for the prize and then it was published shortly after when the previous version, the longer previous version was not having luck anywhere. So Maybe that does speak to also what I was saying about how sometimes the, the content, you know, has to fit the the container. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know until you try making the container a bit smaller as an experiment. I'm thinking of that guy who's thinking that all of his words matter as well. Yeah. And you're like, but these, these, a lot of these words I could cut out. Then they In my case, see, that's it. A lot of those other words didn't matter. What mattered was what I whittled it down to. 
What are your biggest challenges when it comes to writing, apart from the given of finding the time for it, which I think we can just agree that's that is a challenge? Yeah, I think just with kids, it's just a given that your time is not your own. <laughs> I think some of my other challenges are reading as a reader and not as a writer. Like, so reading my own work more objectively <laughs> when I'm working through drafts of it. And I know that there's the thought of, you know, putting your piece away for a long time and then coming back to it. And that can help, but sometimes it doesn't help me at all, even if it's away for months and months and months and I still come back to it. So I guess just seeing it with fresh eyes is something that I personally sometimes struggle with. And how do you work around that then? If you have any suggestions for me, then I can implement them. Well, I just think of community, of course. So it's like, yeah, well, that's it. I think having other people that you trust. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is just then sharing it at that point and having other people help me be my eyes to see what's working and what's not. Because I think it's sort of stuck in the way that I see the piece and not being able to see beyond. So that's one of the other challenges besides time. I think sometimes I can be a little bit constrained with my writing. And maybe this does speak to the fact that I write flash, but sometimes I think it can be rigid with it. So it's sort of all intertwined here, but I think I need to be okay with getting things wrong or being messier a little bit with the story instead of being so prescribed, even though that preciseness is something that needs to be there for flash. It's a little bit of a conflict. That's almost like it's the best and the worst thing about the form. Right. Yes. (laughs) Which I find is often true. Like the opposite like the greatness of it can also be the hardest part about it. The worst of it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. The same thing. Two sides of the same coin, I guess. One of the things I find memoir requires is so much self-knowledge. And I've been thinking about that a lot more lately, even just sort of in a way of like coaching people around early drafts and going, I wonder what was happening here (laughs) and trying to kind of draw that out of people a bit too, which is not to say maybe that they don't have that self-knowledge, but it's just hard for them to express in their writing. But I myself sometimes feel embarrassed about my past self writing with less awareness of who I am and what was happening in those moments and thinking about, oh my gosh, it's obvious now with that objectivity that years can bring you. I'm wondering what you think about that idea of like self-knowledge and the need for it in writing memoir. And then also if you have any practices to build your self-awareness or if you have other aspects that you want to practice around building up that understanding that's needed to have like a take on moments of your life and be able to write about them. Yeah. It's such an interesting question that I'm not sure I'm going to have great insight into. (laughs) I know what you're saying about uh, reading other people's work and then trying to sort of point to some questions or like neutral questions around, well, what about this thought or what was going on here exactly. And then also how hard it is to do that for your own writing too. I mean, I think as writers or as memoirists, you may be more naturally inclined to be self-aware or self-reflective. I think being open to that is important, first of all, but I don't have any tried and true like that practices. I'm a big fan of therapy for, (laughs) but these are sort of like more lifelong things. Right. To better understand other people, to better understand yourself, to better understand or acknowledge or be self-compassionate around some of our own faults and negative traits, I guess, that we all have. And I think just for me, like as my background for work and my educational background is in psychology, I was initially drawn to that because of my interest in why people do what they do and better understanding that. So that drive is still there for me, a lot of my own reading on my little spare time are 
going to be nonfiction books around, I don't know, not self-help books, but sort of better understanding the human condition. And that's just something I'm already interested in and drawn to. But again, those are more just things that they're not prescribed exercises of here's a way to build this skill. But it is, I think, it is a challenge. So I am a reader for Hippocampus Magazine for their flash nonfiction section. And I've been doing that for about a year. It's a wonderful experience to be part of that team. But I would say that that's one of the things that I notice continually in reading as a first reader is this element of what does this story mean? Where's the narrator's awareness? Where's the narrator's reflection in this piece? So I do think that it's a common part of maybe not flash, but maybe just memoir writing that is one of the bigger challenges is sort of putting yourself in there also and figuring out what that story actually is and what the narrator's role is in that. And that relates to the self-awareness piece, I think. I mean, I love that you're seeing that in the work too, because for one thing, that's something I've been seeing. So it's like, oh, great. I can talk to somebody about this. (laughs) And of course, something I see in my own work. And yeah, this is a very good plug for therapy, which I think has also been something that's helped me reframe things, of course. It like reframes your past a lot of the time, and then you're able to dig deeper into the writing. Not always super accessible to everyone too, though. So I don't want to just be like, everyone needs to get therapy. (laughs) But also I think even writing toward that idea of like the curiosity, like reading books, because also like you, I love reading books about the human condition and understanding why people think in certain ways. The curiosity, I think just the willingness to be open and the willingness to be wrong, I think is important about anything yourself, other people. Like, I think that that's the key component to it as well. Yeah. I think the parts that I maybe when I was talking about being embarrassed to, or are, are more about moments where I'm litigating is what I call it. It's like, I'm litigating the past and I'm like, see how I suffered, see how these people, you know, got things wrong and made this and not going, oh, what's my accountability in this moment? And maybe why are people acting in that way as well? Yeah. Well, that's a hard, um, it's a hard thing to do to be able to see it in a different way, right? To be able to see it beyond, well, see what everyone else did. (laughs) And then to settle into it for yourself and sort of accept it and be okay with it and then get that on the page. That's the crux of it all. And then in terms of best and worst, maybe it's also like why I do it too. It's like, I want to have that layer of understanding in writing is maybe the best way to get that perspective too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. And then when you're reading other people's work too, it's a way of sharing with other people that, okay, it's not just... Other people go through some of these things too, right? That's connectedness with with other people. Yeah, like it's knowing that, yeah, that we're not just sort of born with all these insights too. And often that work too that we read, it's not that, oh, this writer doesn't get it and they're never going to get it. It's just like, they're still exploring what the story is about. And this is like this earlier draft of a piece that really can be something, but it needs that extra review, that objectivity that... Maybe you get from other readers helping you, gently prodding you towards, hmm, I wonder why this person did that. (laughs) Or I wonder what this narrator was thinking about this. That's it exactly. I think it can be one of the differences between, you know, what makes it a a story when you're talking about, you know, writing a piece versus it's just something that happened to you. Answer some of those questions, I think, can be the thing that needs to happen to just bring a piece to the next level. And maybe putting it into a bigger context, even if it's like a domestic story, which is funny, that's sort of an old fashioned term for women's writing, all these domestic (laughs) stories. 
but I'm just thinking, you know, it doesn't have to be like, and this is just like this war that happened or something, but it's, but it is kind of like thinking what's the bigger significance here in the life of the writer or, or the world. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so it's, it's, and so it does, you know, it does help that to have other people to read your work and to help you hone in on that. Yeah. I think so too, that it's, what's the biggest significance. And that's the, you know, what's the universe, what's the word universe? Universality. Universality. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. The bigger significance is what the reader is going to take away. Sorry, I feel like I jumped on a soapbox a little bit about memoir, but I'm glad that you went there with me. <laughs> so I'm curious about, you know, I guess thinking about this or, or even just thinking about the other craft things that you picked up along the way. Is there anything that you wish you could tell your past writer self now about writing? Anything you learned on the way? Oh, I've learned tons and I keep learning. I think just to keep going, the consistency, part of it is just with the young kids and the not having time and, and all of that. But I think just to keep being as consistent as you can with it and just to keep learning. I like thinking about how much I've learned over the past few years. And it, you know, it can be just writing in general, but even specific to Flash about just that genre, even though it's sort of narrow, but just what I've, there's still so much there with it. So I think that's one message I tell my younger self is just to keep keep going. And sort of what I had mentioned earlier, it's okay to not get it right away. It's okay to be clunky with it at first. It's a never ending process, I think. I don't know if there's ever an end point. Yeah. And I'm wondering also if there's something about the container too. It's like every story kind of needs to find its container and it's okay, like you said, to get it wrong too, and then go, oh, what if I cut or just a happy accident? I cut 2000 words from this and now it's winning a bunch of awards. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> Um, it didn't win a bunch of awards. It was long listed for one award, but that's the next yeah. piece. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that the message of the container is an important one. I wrote a piece for like a course that I had taken and then it was a diptych. So it was sort of a, a flash, but it was these sort of these two panels side by side. It was my first time trying it, but there was a, I can't remember, but I just like, there's a publication or a contest that had a, a lower word count. So then I condensed it. And then there was like another contest or another publication that I wanted to try. So I extended it. So my point is that I've really diluted this piece. Like I don't know anymore where it's at because I've got these different versions and these different size containers. And I need to go back and just focus on what's the story that I want to tell and like not worry about the word count. But that was a lesson learned to try not to fit it. You know, just where I think the container does sort of matter, but maybe not focus on the container, just focus on the story and let it be and then figure it out from there. I feel like we're doing like, this is true. And then the opposite is also true. <laughs> so, I know, sorry. Like, well, that's, you know. But I feel like there's something true about that too. It's sort of like, okay, these rules work until they don't. And then it's the opposite of the rule. So keep experimenting, stay curious and following the scent of the story as I always quote Betsy Worland as saying. Do you have any notable inspirations for reading Flash from other writers? Like do you have go-to books or authors or journals? I don't really know how to answer that question. I don't really, to be honest. I mean, there's certain publications that I turn to that are more well-known for being a strong slash publications like Brevity or Smoke Long. So I don't have any specific writers that I go to. I like scrolling Twitter and seeing what writing people post and then reading it. And there's so much good work that is not always visible because not everyone reads all these lit makes that I think that you can really just tap into any of them and get some good pieces and learn some stuff. What are some things you would share with writers interested in Flash Memoir? If someone was looking for where to start, say, start with a small, meaningful moment. 
and spiral it from there in terms of where to start for writing a piece. That kind of feels like also, I might sound like a cool permission slip to people listening who think, okay, I've got this meaningful moment and now I have to wrap 40,000 words around it to build a full novel. But it's like, actually, that moment could be the whole spark. And that's the exciting possibility of Flash. And that's why I, I do come down to these moments, because sometimes with Flash, you don't have the space. The backstories don't matter, you know, and it's just coming down to something that's small and impactful. And we all have so many of those, I think, too. Well, yeah, that's, you know, it's just noticing them or drawing meaning from them. Our whole day is made up of those small, impactful moments, I think. That makes me curious about how do you capture those in the moment so that you're like, okay, I got to catch this for a Flash story later. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> or do you? I do and I don't, I guess. Uh, it depends on the story. Sometimes I just jot stuff down or I kind of make mental notes of things that have happened that I'm like, I think that this could maybe turn into something. But I just give an example. I have, you know, a lot of these sort of, I call them kid artifacts around. So I, the other day, my went to pick up my daughter and she, her socks got wet from her boots. And at school, I guess she slipped them into my pocket. So when I got home, I didn't know, but I pulled out these wet socks from my pocket. So I just kind of have these things that I like pull out from my kids. But my other daughter had these buttons that she taped together and and like these different shapes, she lays them up flat and tapes them together. And so I've, instead of just throwing it out, I don't want to make a waste. So I've gone to like taking the tape off of them to reuse the buttons. But now there's this like sticky residue on the buttons. So now I have this pile of sticky buttons. So little things like this, these are some things that I just am like making mental notes of that I'm like, I feel like I could do something with this. Like put these pieces, like these sort of these things together to make a piece. I don't know what it is yet, but it's... I mean, thinking of the piece you read too, with that image of that little bean sprout, it's like you're gathering images is what it feels like. Yeah. That's could be one way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. Or one way that I do it. I'm reverse engineering your writing. Yeah. <laughs> So I would love to end with our quick lit, complete the sentence section. It's kind of a misnomer because some people go really long, although being a flash writer, maybe we'll go short, but it's up to you. <laughs> no, we'll go short. I think I glanced at them and then I thought I'm just going to say what comes to mind. Okay, great. So no preparation? No preparation. No. It's all going to be association. <laughs> the first is being a writer is? A long journey. Literary magazines are? Underrated. I think that more people should read them. Editing requires? Patience. Rejection for a writer means? Um, nothing personal. <laughs> I think it's good to keep in mind that it may just mean that your work's not ready, or it may mean absolutely nothing about you or your work at all. And it's other forces that play with, you know, other pieces in the magazine and how things fit and things like that that have nothing to do with you at all. And then finally, writing community is? So invaluable. <laughs> That's a lesson I keep learning over and over as I keep going on my own writing journey is the importance of writing community. Just for support and networking and being around your people, I think, that also get the same kind of work that you do. Hard agree, of course, as you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially since <laughs> you're in the writing community with me. Thank you so much, Lena, for sharing your wisdom about Flash and for sharing your work with us today, too. And I'm just really grateful for you now for this and then also just for being a wonderful part of our writing community as well. Thanks so much, Rachel, for everything that you do for creating the community. So that was Lena Lau. I think by now you understand what I meant when I said Lena's unpretentious and brilliant. And I love her honest share about needing more objectivity to write and 
ding, 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 finding that in writing community. Lena is a way back member of my writerly love community, and I've loved watching her consistent work that she puts into her writing and the support she gives other writers. I also really took note of what she said about the willingness to be wrong and how that's a quality required for writers of memoir, both long and short. And that's hard. The struggle is real, but it's worth the struggle to get to a deeper truth in your words. Now, if you would like to dive into Flash, even if you're brand new, as I mentioned earlier, I'm offering a Flash mini course with five days of lessons entirely free until the end of the month. You can sign up at rachelthompson.co slash flash. The Write, Publish, and Shine podcast is brought to you by me, Rachel Thompson. Sound editing is done by Adam Linder. Transcripts by Dia Jaffrey. Production consultation support from Melly Walker, who is also our course community facilitator. You can learn more about my work to help writers write, publish, and shine at rachelthompson.co. When you're there, sign up for my writerly love letters. They're sent every week and filled with support for your writing practice. If this episode encouraged you to explore micro or flash memoir, I would love to hear all about it. You can always email me at hello at rachelthompson.co and you will find us talking about flash and micro memoir this month with the hashtag micro memoir love. So it's hashtag micro memoir love. Please tell other luminous writers about this episode. That writer that comes to mind right now when you think, oh, so-and-so would love to hear Lena's story about watering plants or so-and-so would love to hear about the free Flash course this month and trying out Flash. Whoever comes to mind when I'm saying this, reach out to them. You can send them to the podcast at rachelthompson.co slash podcast. There's even a share button where you can just send them the episode or let them know, hey, you should search for Write, Publish and Shine on your podcast app. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to gather those moments like socks in your pocket and write about them each day. My guest spoke to me from Toronto, lands of the Mississaugas of the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Wendat peoples. And I am a settler Canadian born in Treaty 1 territory and raised in Treaty 2 territory. I'm living currently on the lands of the El Muzina Bedouin in South Sinai, Egypt, beside the Red Sea, in relative proximity to the war in Gaza, where there needs to be a ceasefire to end civilian suffering. Join our game of book club bingo this summer. Learn more and sign up at rachelthompson.co slash book club.